Meanwhile... to begin my story. I thought perhaps in 1726 with Professor Scheutzer and the Ernigan Quarry, but I'm not sure. And where is this place? Don't you like it? An attic like this suits me. Look about you. All the tomes and papers and pamphlets a bookish chap could want. Talking of which, could you give me a hand? That book over there. Um... Here you are. But where is this attic? This place? It belongs to Mr. Pavondra. Oh, one of your characters? Exactly. Oh. And as luck would have it, he lives here in Prague, oh. like us. Oh, poor fellow. Oh, come now, Olga. Prague is a fine place. At a time like this? <laughs> With that dreadful little German on one side. And, and that great Russian bear on the other. Mm. Oh, it's still a fine place. And besides, Pavondra doesn't have to worry about all that. He has, as the English have it, bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Such as? Such as his duties to his employer, G.H. Bondy of Bondy and Sons. And besides that, he has his collection to look after. His collection? You mean... I mean all these papers? Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, ledgers. Yep. Newspaper reports. <laughs> <laughs> ships logs. <Ooh. laughs> minutes of meetings. Court transcripts. And it's not just this little attic. The whole house <gasps> is filled with records just like these. The whole house? Yep. In so much as Mrs. Pavondra will allow. You know... We all need an interest in life. Some people collect stamps and others incunabula. Our Mr. Pavondra found his fulfilment in stories of the newts. <gasps> we have rather a lot to thank Mr. Bondy's faithful doorman for. It is to his zeal as a collector that we owe so much of our understanding of the whole newt problem. Uh, so this is your story then? This newt problem? That's it. Newts. It's all recorded in these papers. Now, the only question is, where to start? What about... What about this little thing? Hmm? Oh, it's a bit battered. It's a ship's log. It's 19... 1921? Yeah, let's have a look at that. Here. Oh, yes. <laughs> Perfect as ever, my darling! <laughs> Happy birthday, Carol Capic. Mid Valley. It's the war with the nudes. Mutations. A BBC radio production from 2005. And. 
and welcome. It's Mid-Valley Mutations here on Sheena's Jungle Room. WFMU. Coming to you from the Lava Lamp Lounge. And, uh, yes, this week, it's time for the war with the newts. Happy birthday. And I think if I've done my research correctly, it's a Carol Chapek? Oh, man, I hope so. <laughs> Uh, I, I, uh, anyway, it's, it's getting closer, I'll say. That. Uh, but um, uh, anyway, it is, it is his birthday today. Happy birthday. And uh, as someone, an author who uh, uh, spent a lot of time as an anti-fascist, telling stories in a sort of science fiction vein, hoping to warn people about the the woes of the, of the world around us, uh, it seemed very appropriate that we should help celebrate uh, um, um, uh, Carol's uh, birthday. Uh, and, and so uh, I found this charming uh, BBC presentation on uh, Drama on 3, uh, a program where they do a, a regular, I think it's actually still going, if I'm not mistaken, a dramatization of different stories, novels. Uh, it, it's all sorts of different things from what I can gather. Uh, and uh, way back in 2005, they did a, a very interesting dramatization of uh, The War with the Newts. And I really like the way it's presented, too. Um, you know, Olga is a, a, a actually uh, um, Carol uh, Chapek's uh, wife. Um, Carol is a character in the, in the story as well in this version. Uh, but uh, it actually follows the novel uh, fairly well. Uh, and it leaves some stuff out because it's only 90 minutes. Uh, but uh, if uh, you are a fan, uh, and if this piques your interest, I do recommend uh, The War with the Newts. It's a fantastic book, very well written, very engaging. I remember uh, putting off a lot of homework in college to read this book instead. Uh, and uh, just really enjoyed it. Uh, the Ramen City Kid, who's in the chat, uh, actually introduced this book to, uh, to me. And uh, I have thought about it a lot ever since I, 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 there's little sections of this story pop up in my head pretty often and as Imaginos correctly uh, uh, pointed out uh, the cast for this dramatization includes Jeffrey McGivern better known as Ford Prefect from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series I don't recognize very many of the other actors or, or uh, uh, whatnot but I'm sure they pop up all over uh, BBC Radio uh, and whatnot. So uh, my recommendation is, uh, if you like this, uh, there's plenty of uh, avenues uh, to, to Google and search. Uh, nonetheless, let us get into it because uh, uh, this uh, I, I like the story and, and uh, I think it's worth uh, checking out. But let me say a quick hello to uh, Arvo Zylo, Imaginos, Mr. X. Chris O unfortunately had to go to bed, but thank you for popping in to say hello anyway. Uh, and the Ramen City Kid, uh, strap in because, uh, boy, this is a this one is a lot of fun. It's the War with the Newts on Sheena's Jungle Room, celebrating uh, Carol Chapek's birthday. 
enjoy. Happy birthday, Carol Capic. Mid Valley. It's the war with the nudes. Mutations. A BBC radio production from 2005. Let us start with Captain J. Van Toch, captain of the Kandong Bandoing, moored off the little island of Tanamasa, right on the equator and a little to the west of Sumatra. <gasps> So what do the Pataks say? They still insist no one goes to Devil Bay. It is too dangerous. Too dangerous? I'm not afraid of a few sharks and such. <laughs> Can't be. Those damned Amsterdamers won't let me. <laughs> Find us pearls, Captain, they say. <laughs> you just ask those Pataks again. Put your money on pearls, they say. Sure thing, they say. Flight from gold have to have a sure thing, man. <laughs> Wars and such. What's called a crisis. <laughs> yes, they still refuse, Captain. They say you can't go because of the Tapa. Tapa? What's Tapa? The Batak say they are sea devils, Captain. Or some kind of fish? No, Captain, just a, a devil. A deep-sea devil. Dirty Cuban. You think I'm going to be frightened by your devils? You tell them I'm going on a hunting trip. Devils or no devils. He says that they will complain to the police at Padang, Captain. He says that... You just tell him that he's a complete and utter son of a flea-bitten bitch, a bastard offspring of a two-cent... And he kept on talking without giving himself time to take breath for at least 11 minutes. <laughs> A passionate man, this captain of yours. But Captain J. Van Toch was now in no doubt that the prestige of the white race was at stake. He went to see the devils. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> By dusk, he was in one of the ship's rowboats, heading for Devil Bay. Three o'clock. Ebb tide should be just at the turn. Right, men. Now, you let me and this diver boy out here, and then you put out a bit to watch for sharks. Aye, aye. Now, you, my lad. Let's see if you can find us some of those damn pearls that they love so much back home. Sahib. <laughs> now, we'll see about these tapa devils. Sahib! Sahib! What the hell is it, boy? Get over here! Sahib, Sahib! Yes, Sahib! What, what, what? Sharks, was it? Jin, sir! Devils! Thousands, sir! All devils! All devils! They they watched me while I cut the shells free! Shells? Let's have a look at them. They come. Here! Come on, Ed. Yes. Let's see. Ah! ah it's empty. Here. Ah. Oh, look there! Look at you. <laughs> Big as a bee. And 
around as a drop of quicksilver. <laughs> so, my boy, would you dive down there again? No, not here, Saib, not here. Don't get frightened, my boy, don't get frightened. Tell me, what did these devils look like? There were thousands of them, Saib, wriggling along in the water. Wriggling? From side to side, Saib. But they have, they have hands and legs just like us. And black, sir. They are very black and as, as big as a boy, Sahib. Strange looks for devils. What about uh, horns or hair? None, sir. No, Sahib. None. But they have tail like a lizard, Sahib. They are jinn. One of them touched me. No, no, no. Well, this boy will never dive again. Poor fellow. I have to send him back to Ceylon. And all for Pearl. So, what did our good captain do next? He went back to his cabin and locked himself in, setting that perfect pearl the poor diver had brought him, a shining silver pea turning to pink in front of him on the table. Uh, and then? And then he reached for his bottle of Irish whisky and began to drink. And when he had drunk that bottle dry... See devils. I don't like to see any devils that there is in the world. The Captain J. Van Bok hasn't met yet. We'll see you now, my tapa devils. <laughs> Captain Javan Doch will see you. Come on, you tapa. Come, come. <laughs> yeah, tapa boys. Yes, yeah, my devils. <laughs> come, come, come. Ah. Come here, my boy. Nearer, nearer, yes. 
There you go, Topo Boy. Thank you. Now let's see. Where my knife will get us with this shell. Ah. No, there's no pearl there. Oh. Here, go on. You have the oyster. Oh, you liked that, eh? <laughs> Bit of a delicacy, eh? <laughs> Bit of a rare treat. More of you, huh? No, 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 don't, don't worry. Captain J. Van Toch will help you. <laughs> you want another shell? Here, come. Come here. Yes, it's okay, boy. I'll open it. Yeah. Oh, you, you too, you got one too. Don't worry, you, no, you, you, whoa, you'll all get your turn. You lovely, sensible, trusting creatures. <laughs> Look at you, don't worry. Captain J. Van Toch will help you. All of you. Ah. Now, what's this, my topper boys? <coughs> it's a pearl. And these creatures, these tapper, these are your newts? Oh, yes. Yes, my dear, they are. These... Sweet, sensible creatures that bring our captain pearls and take their food from his hand are indeed the newts. And it was in their company that the captain remained all night. What then? And then, on the morning of the fourth day, the Kandong Bandoing sailed for Padang, where our captain discharged Every last man of his crew. And then, Carol? Perhaps now would be a good moment to introduce our collector properly. Uh, what do you think? This Mr. Pavondra of yours, the, the doorman. Just so. Let us let a year pass. A year? Let us also relocate here to our beautiful Prague, <laughs> vigorous in its young democracy. Perhaps the young Chopek is working away on his newspaper column. <laughs> and the beautiful Olga... Is preparing a role for the stage. Ooh! <laughs> but where is Pavondra? Oh. Let us say that he is standing to attention in the halls of one of the great houses of the business district. <laughs> Let us say... He is behind an imposing oak door, which bears a single black glass plate perfectly polished, on which is written simply, Bondi, <laughs> and nothing more. The Pope, they say, has just pious without title or number. And God does without labels at all. So he does. But let us turn to Pavondra, waiting behind this door in Prague on a sizzling hot day. <gasps> Bondi! No, Pavondra, Mr Bondy's doorman. What is it you want? You tell him. I want a word with him. Here's my card. Wait here a moment, Captain. Let's see. What should I do? Show him the door? He doesn't look like a commercial traveller, and I'm sure he's not a charity official. <laughs> Come on, Pavondra, what shall you do? So, will he see me then? Uh, wait there. Wait there. Uh, yeah. Sir, there's a man to see you. 
Uh, a captain. His card, sir. A captain? From Surabaya? Doesn't the air of distance strike you and come all the way to Prague? The Kandong Bandoeng sounds like the strokes of a gong, and it's so tropical today. Quite so. Indeed, Mr Bondy. More business, no doubt. He'll tell me he could sell sewing machines in Tasmania or boilers and pins in Fiji. Sir? Why can't this captain be a Sinbad? Why can't he tell me of the Phoenix Islands, of how he was borne away to a griffin's nest? Oh, well, show him in. Let him peddle his lies of Martin's half genius. What are you doing? You damn what you Captain J. Van Toch, you shut up. No, Captain Van Toch is no liar, man. He's here from Surabaya to tell you about the newts, that's all. Mr. Bunkley's a very busy man. Calm yourself, Pavandra. Newts, you say? Yeah. How do you call them? Lizards. Yeah, listen, it's only the size of a boy. And they walk on their hind legs. Mr. Bondy doesn't have time for tales like this. Newts, the size of a boy and walking. Mm. Actually, Pavondra, I think Mr. Bondy may well have time for this tale. Sit down, Captain. Ah, thank you. Is there anything I can get you? Oh, yeah. You don't drink beer, do you, Mr. Bondy? It's a, it's a long way from Surabaya, and I've got such a terrible thirst. Pavandra, would you bring some beer? Beer? And how much, sir? A gallon. I had to talk in Aden, you know. It was terribly hot, my lad. And so Mr. Pavandra left the office, just as the captain was squashing the fine cigar proffered to him by Mr. Bondy into the bowl of his battered pipe. <laughs> By the time he returned, the pair were deep in conversation. Your beer, Captain Van Toch? Ah, good fellow. Thank you, Pavandra. Mr. Bondy? <sighs> That's good. Uh, takes the edge off, eh? That's when I got the idea, sir. The idea to tame those Tapa boys. So I went back night after night as the sun was setting. I'd sit on the beach there and make... Yes, and those newts would stick their chumps out of the water here and there. But then, sir, the sharks would come. Sharks? How Marvellous. Sharks. The second night they took over 20 of my newts. 20! How can a poor naked creature like that hope to stand up against sharks? <laughs> Why, well, I could have cried, man. I could For I like animals, man, very much. I, too. Oh, good. Good for those tapper boys, sir. They are very good and they're sensible. When you tell them something, they sit up and take notice. And uh, those childish paws of theirs. <laughs> I'm an old chap, you know. I've got no children. Yeah, old man, this uh, lonely. And they are very nice, and they're sweet and trusting, those newts. <laughs> uh, what's the use? 
If only the sharks wouldn't go for them. But you see, you see, sir, when I threw stones at the sharks, they also began to throw stones. Those tapa boys. If you are so clever, my boys, I said, you try to open a shell with this knife here. No. That's it, my boy. You try. Here. Gently. Gently. You must leave her, you see. the next night and I saw how those sharks was eating my newts and that night sir I swore that I wasn't going to leave it at that and also I gave them my word of honor Mr. Bondi I told them Tapa boys Captain Javan Toch here under these terrible stars promises you that he will help you um what has he been doing our captain between making his dreadful promise and meeting the esteemed Mr. Bondi. First, as we know, he went to Padang. There, he hired a Dayak tribesman, reputedly a cannibal, <gasps> whom he brought back to kill the sharks. And then... Wait a second. Ah, yeah. Here we are. The captain's diary. Oh, let's see. 25th of June. Exactly one year before the meeting with Mr. Bondi. The Dayak killed a shark. Tapper boys fascinated by the carcass. Toby, the cleverest of them, pushes his little fingers right into the hole the knife made. And now forward to the 3rd of July. They're building a dam across the whole bay. Really got the hang of those hoisting jacks. <laughs> Albert squashed two fingers rolling a boulder. The twenty-first? That Dayak bogger ate Albert. But he was sick after it. Uh, Fifteen drops of laudanum. <laughs> Promised never to do it again. Rained all day. August third? Sergeant has got a knife. My, but he's a big, strong brute. The 7th... Sergeant killed a cuttlefish. The 13th... Sergeant killed a small shark with the knife. Weighed 70 pounds. I knelt down on my knees and cried for pure joy. Ah, my tapper boys won't give in now. This... this is quite remarkable. Yeah... It was that day that I made a kind of contract with those Tapa boys. I gave them my word that I would bring them knives and harpoons to defend themselves if they would bring me pearls. That's an honest deal, sir. I shouldn't like to cheat them, you know. <laughs> and they've never cheated me. Huh? Look here. <gasps> pearls. So many. 
this one. Look there. It's a beauty. Captain, this is like a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> and with the tapa boy, sir, with those lizards, you could do honest business. A very good kashaft, Mr. Bondi. But business? With, with newts? To buy pearls from them? Yeah, sir. And more, sir, more. For I should like them to maintain themselves. You know, the little beasts, huh? They're very nice and they're cute, Mr. Bondi. And when you see the men, you'll say to me, <laughs> Hello, Captain, you have got something useful here. Useful little creatures. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this great Bondi believes our captain, then? What? No, far from it. He thinks our captain is quite mad, but he also believes our captain to be honest and experienced, and he believes in those pearls. And don't forget that he is a romantic. As he listens to the captain, deep in his heart a fantastic string starts to vibrate. A new melody begins, with echoes of the Orient, a, a melody suggestive of boats plying ancient trade lanes. That's it. Boats laden with pearls and with coffee, redolent of the spices and perfumes of Arabia. Mm. <laughs> and all the while, let us not forget, carrying the goods of G.H. Bondi and Sons out into new territories. <laughs> Well, do you know what, Captain Van Tock? Come here again in a fortnight's time. We will talk about this boat you want. Ah, Mr. Bondi, thank you. I knew you wouldn't let me down. And those, those tupper boys, I shall be able to take them on my boat. Why, yes. Only I must ask you not to mention them to anybody. Ah, yeah. Oh, uh, can I leave these pearls here? Yes. Yes, you can. A trusting man, the captain. Did he get his boat? Well... Uh, no, no, wait. Somewhere among all these papers there will be some ledgers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of course there will be. <laughs> now let me see. Yes, yes, purchase of a boat. Mm -hmm. Hire of a crew. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, purchase and fitting of water tank capacity. Can that be right? To transport the newts in. Ah. After all, there are no more pearls on Tanamasa, and the captain's tapper boys cannot swim across the deep seas themselves. So that's why they never escape their little island. That and the sharks. Of course. So now the newts are starting to cross those waters to make new homes. They are indeed. <laughs> At each stop he makes, our captain unloads a few newts in good breeding grounds, sets them up in little undersea farms, supplies them with the tools he has purchased from G.H. Bondi and company, and leaves them to seek out the precious pearls. And so they begin to spread across the tiny islands of the Pacific. And as they spread, they begin to leave an ever-widening trail behind them. A trail of sightings here and rumours there. A trail first formed in sights and words and then in lines of ink on pieces of paper. Some of which found their way here to this attic. Of course! 
Look about you, you'll find piles of them. Letters, newspaper reports. Uh, and did anyone believe the stories? Oh, a few, for a while, until the whole thing was dismissed as a hoax by the eminent professor J.W. Hopkins, Yale, who concluded that the creatures filmed were merely... Inadequate, inaccurate, clumsy and amateurish attempts to reproduce the giant tectibranchiate salamander. Variously classified as Cryptobranchus japonicus, Siboldia maxima, Tritomegus siboldi, or Megalbotrachus siboldi. Thus proving, as a matter of scientific fact, that Captain Van Tock's newts did not and could not exist. Uh, but, but there are sightings from all over the South Seas. The Solomon Islands? Mm? Butaritari? Sadly, for Professor Hupkin's scientific fact, his fellow humans refused to be satisfied by his absolute assertion. Besides, it was the summer season in America, and the newspapers were eager for something to write about. <laughs> and what better to write about than monsters roaming the Pacific, I suppose? At least it's better than the threat of war. Mm, well, the newt craze spread... As these crazes do, there was ah, a review on Broadway featuring Poseidon and 300 most attractive Triton girls, sea nymphs and sirens. And judging by this, <laughs> those sea nymph and siren costumes became all the rage with the bathers of Miami and California. Well, three strings of pearls and nothing else might be a little cold for anywhere else. <laughs> Besides, such attire was not to the taste of the Middle and Middle West states, where the movement for suppression of immorality became unusually strong, resulting in mass demonstrations against this ungodly nutism, this unnatural salamander worship. Not to mention the partial hanging and partial burning of several black men. Ah. Uh. Soon the newts were being discovered all across the South Pacific. Dutch scholars discover the creatures in the Dutch Sunder Islands, the French on Takaroa, Rangaroa and Raroire. The British found them flourishing in the Gilbert Islands. Surely someone must have tried to bring a specimen back. Of course! <laughs> The British managed to transport a fine example to London Zoo, where it was assigned to the reptile house, alongside fine examples of the giant Japanese salamander and the American hellbender. And it was placed under the care of the keeper, Mr. Thomas Greggs. Ah, that's better. Much tidier. Be easier if they never allowed visitors in in the first place. Muck the place up something rotten. Look, Mummy. What? Huh? Must have imagined it. Look, a newt. Here, who said that? Not you, hey, Mr. Newt. Uh, isn't it ugly? Let's go away from here, darling. What? Does it bite? You... You can talk. Uh, I'm frightened. Mummy, what does it eat? Say good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. Uh, can I give it a bun? Bun? I haven't got a bun. 
There's a piece of bread if you like. There you go. Daddy, why is it so black? Well, if you can repeat the visitors, perhaps you can repeat me. Say Greg's. Say Greg's. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. Good day. Good day, sir. <laughs> Quite the chatterbox, aren't you? Well, you can shut up for now, and when I've finished, I'll teach you to talk. Shut up for now. Good day, sir. Uh, Lock and Newt. I'll teach you to talk. Uh. Happy birthday, Carol Capic. Mid Valley. It's the war with the Newts. Mutations. A BBC radio production from 2005. Thank you for sticking around. As we bring you The War with the Newts. Certainly a book that I think about quite often, and uh, yeah, it, it left quite a mark. I, I, I certainly had never read anything that was assembled in, in, in that way, which was just, it was very compelling, it was very fun, it was very, I don't know, it was just, it was, um, I mean, the, <clears throat> this version that we're hearing right here, I mean, it's it's a pretty good presentation and it's pretty faithful to but but of course it, it leaves out a lot uh, there's so much uh, detail and there's so many uh elements uh, i mean i think one of the key details that they do not include in this presentation at all uh, and it, and it's even kind of glossed over in the book is that the the sea captain is supposed to have been a sea captain from a landlocked country in europe uh, just they throw that out there and then they quickly move away because uh, it is a lot of fun uh, to make those kinds of jokes and that's what uh, we have uh, a lot of in uh, uh, in this uh, show which uh, in, in this book uh, and this show has a little bit of that too which I also admire yes Mr. X you picked up on my theme very quickly uh, I figured the only way to compliment uh, the war with the newts was to go with some Czech composers and and it was actually a good uh, excuse for to check out uh, Joseph Sook and uh, I have no idea how to say his name Janisek Janisek uh, uh, anyway, I, I, I did not know any of their work and, and, and I got to sit down and listen to it uh, as part of my research for this and they're both very enjoyable, so uh, uh, I, 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 uh, I made some good discoveries. I do appreciate uh, Jeffrey McGivern's appearance uh, in the cast for this show. I mean, I am a big Hitchhiker's Guide to the fan, uh, uh, Galaxy fan, and his portrayal of Ford Prefect is uh, very enjoyable, and so to hear him do some uh, bit characters here and there... Um, and uh, this uh, show is just, it's very cool. Uh, it definitely perked my ears uh, when I first heard them. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, what, what, what could possibly go wrong? The sea captain has taught these 
these these newts how to use knives and whatnot and and now this zookeeper is going to teach them how to talk uh, i mean uh, well it sounds like everything's p turning up great for uh people and their relations with these newts uh, i can't possibly see how a war could break out Well, thank you very much, Mr. X and the Ramen City Kid uh, and Imaginos uh, uh, for sticking around. There may be some lurkers out there, and I, I do hope that uh, people are just enjoying the story because certainly there's a lot in this one. Uh, some of the jokes come quick, and uh, the scenes move fast. Uh, so, uh, yeah, definitely um, I, I, there's some things in here that I think uh, will, be, will be worth listening to again. I do like the Ramen City Kid's observation that Jeffrey McGivern should have been a Doctor Who. I don't know which one. I, 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 you know, I'm not sure I feel passionate enough to, to say which Doctor he should have been, but he should have been a Doctor Who, I, I will say. Yeah, I think the meta presentation of this story is a lot of fun. You know, certainly one of the elements of the novel is that you're kind of getting different points of view and perspectives, and they do kind of quote newspaper passages and, and, and things like that as a um, kind of way to tell the story. Um, and, and, and certainly uh, um, uh, Carol's uh, interest in uh, anti-fascism and uh, uh, dealing with uh, the, the ongoing and rising World War II around him uh, kind of sheds a different light on the war with the newts when you start to unpack it. I mean, it, it, the uh, political dimensions to it are pretty interesting to consider. I will say, however, that it is a very funny story, too. <laughs> so, uh, I Certainly, uh, you can uh, uh, have your vegetables and your uh, sweet treats uh, at the same time. Uh, uh, if you have uh, an elegant uh, Czech writer behind your story. Certainly, I would recommend if you have not read War with the Newts to, to check it out. Now, I mean, I, I think Mr. X brought this up in the chat, and and uh, it, he is probably best known as uh, the writer that coined the the word uh, robot, and and certainly uh, uh, that is a probably a, a pretty important accomplishment <clears throat> in and of itself. I mean, he wrote science fiction in an era where science fiction didn't have a name yet it was just you know people writing these stories that were kind of uh weird and had uh i mean i guess what edgar rice burroughs and carol jpeck and uh, uh i mean there was a few other people who were writing these kind of like proto sci-fi things before it was really a, a thing and so uh i mean war with the newts i mean certainly it has all the trappings of science fiction because it is uh fictionalizing a political conundrum in a way that uh, kind of helps uh, seal his message a little stronger than than perhaps just, you know, saying it outright. Uh, 
but I mean, I guess the science fiction component of it is that he just imagines a race of, of uh, creatures that did not exist. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, does that count? I'll let people weigh in in the uh, chat. It's Mid-Valley Mutations here, celebrating uh, Carol Chapek's birthday. Uh, I hope I am uh, not slaughtering his name too badly. And uh, why don't we get to the next segment of the story? Uh, We've already heard uh, parts one and parts two. We've got two more parts, uh, and uh, and we will uh, have told the entire thing. Uh, All all told, it's about a 90-minute tale. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, let's let's dive in. Uh, Mid Valley Mutations here on Sheena's Jungle Room, uh, celebrating uh, a, a wonderful author's birthday. The only way I know how. Happy birthday, Carol Capic. Mid Valley. It's the war with the newts. Mutations. A BBC Radio production from two thousand and five. I take it he did teach him. Oh yes, certainly. However, the matter had to proceed clandestinely, the managers of the zoo being strongly opposed to the practice of keepers teaching their charges tricks. So when it was discovered that the zoo's prize specimen gave all the appearance of both talking and reading, Sir Charles Wiggum, the director, had no alternative but to call it before a board of examination. Oh, then, Greggs, you know Sir Bertram Dash and Mrs. Foxley, I believe? Oh, yes, Director. Very eminent persons, I'm told. And this is Professor Petrov. Yes, I am most interested to see this talking salamander of yours, Mr. <laughs> Charles. Uh, come on, Charlie, let's see this newtish parrot of yours. Oh, it's more than a parrot, surely, Sir Bertram. Well, that's what we're to find out, madam. Come along, Greggs, get him out here. Then you may leave him to us. Sir... Come on, Andy. These people want to talk to you. Very pleased to see you, gentlemen. I am Andy Shuxer. And how is it that you know this, Andy? It is written here, sir. Andreas Shuxer, Gilbert Islands. Charlie here tells us you like the papers, Andy. Oh, yes, sir. And what do you find most interesting in them, Andreas? Crime. Horse racing, football. Oh, interesting. Now then, Andy, have you ever seen a football match or a horse race? Oh, no, sir. Then why do you read about them? They are in the papers, sir. Are you not interested in politics? Will there be a war? And nobody knows that, Andreas. Germany is building a new kind of death submarine. Oh, rubbish. Death rays can turn continents into deserts. Ah, uh, yes, um, perhaps we might... Um... Yes, yes, down to questions. Uh, what age have you, Andy? I don't know, sir. Do I look young? Wear libella corsets. <laughs> what date is it today? Monday. Nice weather, sir. <laughs> Next Saturday, Gibraltar is running at Epsom. Who is the King of England? King Edward, God bless him. Uh, now then, Andreas, how many parts are there in the world? Five. And they are... England and the others. The others? The Bolsheviks, the Germans and Italy. Yeah, so, where are the Gilbert Islands? In England. <laughs> England will not bind herself to the continent. England needs 10,000 aeroplanes. Visit the north coast of England. 
And here is the report of the conversation, as subsequently published in Natural Science. Which, as you will see, concludes... The newt, or salamander, Andreas Schweitzeri can talk, even if inclined to croak. <laughs> it has a range of about <clears throat> 400 words. It only repeats what it has heard or read. Mm, of course, there can be no suggestion of any independent mm. thought. Yeah. This same salamander can read, but mm. only the evening papers. <laughs> it is interested in the same things as the working English. To which it reacts in a similar way. Yes, it's mental life. If it's possible to speak of such a thing. Consists <laughs> merely of ideas and opinions current at the time. <laughs> There's no need to overrate its intelligence, no. for in no respect does it exceed that of the common man of the present time. No. Too true. Despite this learned assessment, the talking newt became the sensation of London Zoo, with thousands flocking in to see darling Andy, who gave him so many sweets and chocolates in return for his views on everything from the weather to the political situation that he became ill. Andreas Shuxeri, nicknamed Andy, perished of the consequences of his popularity. Poor Andy. But now there are other Andes. Yes, yes, as the years pass, knowledge of the newts spreads itself around the globe. They are gawped at in zoos and prodded in travelling circuses. And all the while, newt-filled boats chug about the South Seas, captained by J. Van Tock. And others like him, where pearls may be found, so Captain Van Tock's beloved tapper boys may be found, gliding down to the pearl beds, steel knives gripped firmly in four scaly fingers. Yes, the captain's scheme has paid off handsomely, perhaps too handsomely, for as the newts increase in number, so does the number of pearls they discover. And those who once prized their pearls above their lives now see them daily adorning the necks of the shop girls who serve them. So the price of the pearls plummets. <laughs> As a result, a swift examination of the accounts of the Pacific Export Association, Chairman G. H. Bondi, reveals that the association's Amsterdam storehouses hold over 200,000 pearls, huh. now almost unmarketable. Yet by now, the newts number in what? Tens of thousands? Hundreds of thousands. Thanks to the captain's diligent work, not to mention the remarkable fecundity of a species now delivered by knives and harpoons from its main predator, there exist six million newts. <gasps> six million? But at that rate... And it is just this problem which is weighing upon the mind of G.H. Bondy. When he has delivered a piece of news, he finds genuinely... Unwelcome. A telegram, sir. Thank you, Pavondra. Ah. Probably shouting at someone, poor fellow. Mr. Bondy? Our good Captain Van Tock. You remember him, no doubt? Oh, yes. Hardly. Seems he passed away on our ship Sarka, not far from Fanning Island. The doctors suggest a fit of apoplexy. Ah. A good man, Pavondra. 
with those marvellously piercing blue eyes. Oh, well, he died like a sailor, I suppose, and that's what he would have wanted. Indeed, sir. No older than I am, and yet... Perhaps it was for the best. Sir? Get me Director Volavka, would you? It occurs to me there are some matters we should attend to. And so, gentlemen, it is with great, with sincere regret that I say it is a fitting time for us to put an end to the, so to speak, Vantokian chapter of our enterprise. Simbad, gentlemen, is dead, and with him is that romantic, beautiful, and I say quite frankly, short-sighted little business with the pearls. It had its exotic charms, but was not in accordance with modern conditions. Damn straight! That Bantock was always too soft on those creatures. I must concur. Nonetheless, the captain always asserted that he had certain obligations to his newts, and while he was alive... Besides which, we must consider this. When our little... As I say, when our little concern was first established, those newts had some kind of, should I say, charm of novelty. Mm. Six million newts is a rather less charming prospect. (laughs) That being the case, the question is, what next? That is what we are asking you. Well then, sir, please take a pencil. Six millions, have you got that? Of course, yes. Multiply it by 50. Now we have 300 million. Multiply again by 50. Now we have 15 billion newts, gentlemen. Enough to overwhelm us. These newts will eat up the company. What do you mean to do, Herr Bondi? Gentlemen, I propose the creation of the Salamander Syndicate. To be made up of ourselves, the owners of and carers for the newts, and of all those companies which can supply the goods they will need for their work. The banks to finance them, the chemical and oil cake combines to make fodder for them, the shipping agencies to transport them, the insurers to cover them, the tool makers to equip them. Hang on. But, Monsieur Bondy, what for? What work is it that they will carry out? What for? Why, man, to build mankind's dams and breakwaters, to excavate his harbours and canals, to clear his waterways and preserve his coasts. Who knows? Perhaps even to enlarge the lands on which he walks. What I propose, gentlemen, is an organisation whose value will eclipse all others. Well done, sir! Well done, sir! Gentlemen, the Salamander Syndicate will explore possibilities for employing millions of newts throughout the whole world. It will connect our five continents and then build five more. We shall give to the world the toilers of the sea. Let us think of billions of newts and of millions and millions of working units of changing the Earth's crust of new geological epochs. Let us talk of not one new Atlantis, but of many. Let us talk. Of a new genesis. We are privileged to stand here at the border of a new era. I ask you now to join me in stepping boldly into the new Newt Age. The The new Newt Age.
pursued these mutes all round the globe for five years, ten years perhaps. But now we must follow them from a fantastical past into a fantastical future. And what do you see in the future, Carol? Peace and prosperity? Or must it be war? Who can tell? Whether here, in my story, in Pavondra's dusty attic, or out on the streets of the real Prague, who can tell? You know, these days the making of history takes place wholesale. We can no longer measure the historical events by decades or by centuries, but by the quarters of the year in which the economic statistics appear. The Salamander Syndicate is a shining example, no doubt. Within one quarter of a year of G.H. Bondi's speech, it was fully formed. Within another, it was established in its headquarters in Singapore. Within another, it was being hailed by the newsreels as... This white building standing proud above the skyline of Singapore, despite its ionic colonnade and sweeping marble staircases, is more of a world market than the Bazaar of Baghdad at the time of Harun al-Rashid. Its ships circle the globe. Its halls echo to the ringing of telephones and placing of orders. Feeding the trade are the newt farms of the South Seas. As night falls, the newts emerge from their watery home, ready to learn and to serve. This is a spite! Dig in for the use of! When I says dig, you digs! And when I says stop, you stops! Under the watchful eye of their instructors, former military men all, the newts learn all that they will need to know to assist mankind to speak, to understand commands, to march, to handle their tools and instruments and weapons. Day by day, New lands and continents are conquered for the newts by the Salamander Syndicate as its tank boats unload their cargoes on new shores. Not all. See this in the London Times. His Majesty's government does not intend to permit one single salamander to be employed on the shores or in the territorial waters of these Britannic Isles. We shall permit nothing which could harm the security of the British shores or breach our ancient laws and conventions as to the abolition of the slave trade. Ah, the English. Ever distrustful of the foreign, the strange. Oh, yes, there were problems and concerns, dire warnings against the introduction of the newts, and not just from the British, but there have been similar warnings from time immemorial. Besides, the spread of the newts saw a gigantic wave of idealism flooding the world. Soon, just as G.H. Bondi predicted, the human mind was working, setting the newts to the task of creating new continents. Each day saw... New headlines in the papers. Mussolini proposes Greater Italy, Mediterranean to be reclaimed for man. Japan constructs new Nippon. Hitler calls for German Atlantis. New continent threatens French Africa. It looked as if the last barriers which the ocean had put to human effort had been broken down. A bright epoch of amazing technical feats set in. 
They must have thought themselves masters of the world at last. And all thanks to these newts. Soon the newts became an accepted part of life. Thanks to the sober light of science and their own ubiquity, the newts lost their primeval nimbus. <laughs> the extraordinary and exceptional salamander was replaced by the normal newt. A dull and rather mediocre creature. We never regard what serves or is good for us as mysterious. Only that which harms or threatens us. As their numbers soared into the hundreds of millions, the popular interest in them quickly declined. Even the newspapers tired of them, reducing them to the subjects of questionnaires to celebrities on such themes as the existence of the newt soul. Uh, I have the answers here. Toscanini! I have never seen a newt, but I am convinced that creatures who have no music have no soul. Johnny Weissmuller. They have an interesting technique and style in swimming. We can learn a lot from them. Mae West. They have no sex appeal, and therefore they have no soul. George Bernard Shaw. They certainly haven't got a soul. In this, they agree with man. The truth is that the great newt sensation passed off to make way for something else. And to some extent, something more substantial. That is, the newt problem. The pioneer seeking a solution, and not for the first time in the annals of progress, was a woman, Madame Louise Zimmerman. Humanity must let the newts have a proper education. Just as Roman civilization collapsed through invasions by the barbarians, our civilization will surely disappear if it remains an island in a sea of creatures spiritually suppressed, which are not allowed to share the highest ideals of the present human race. Through her eloquence, she mobilized the women of the whole world and raised sufficient funds to found the first lycée for newts near Nice where the fry of the newts working at Marseille and Toulon were taught literature, rhetoric, social deportment and the history of art. In other parts of the world, too, a campaign developed for regular and obligatory schools for newts under state control. This occurred, in turn, in all time, in all the maritime countries. E excepting, of course... The newtless Great Britain. Ah, <laughs> of course. And what about our landlocked country? Did we not have any influence? Czech pride will not be defeated. In fact... Ah, yes. Huh. Here we are. A copy... Of Mr. Pavondra's diary. I wondered whether we should hear from him again. Well, we shall. And now seems as good a time as any. He is, of course, rather older than when we last met him. And has he a family? Yes, I'm sure he has. A son. Frantic. <laughs> <laughs> a youth wearing out his socks, running after the vanities of the world. Perhaps... Perhaps that is why the good Pavondra and his wife were so relieved to have been afforded the opportunity of a sea holiday by the ever-generous Mr Bondy. Oh, I can see them now, walking arm in arm along the shore. Oh, it's a beautiful evening, my dear. It is indeed. And what a sunset. So golden. 
why the gentleman is Czech. Who is it? Uh, don't be alarmed, my dear. Came from behind here. Who spoke? I made so bold, if you will forgive me, sir, madam. A newt! How marvellous! I could not resist on hearing for the first time in my life a conversation in Czech. You can speak Czech? I was fortunate enough to have this book come into my hands. Well, I never. Czech for newts. You see, Mother, I always said those newts would come to something. Yes, you always did. This book, sir, has become my constant companion. I have learned it by heart. You certainly speak it very well, doesn't he? Oh, yes. Better than you do sometimes. Could you be kind enough to tell me what there is new in Mother Prague with her hundred towers? Do they still hang on the bridge tower, the heads of Czech noblemen who have been beheaded? Heavens no! Not for a long time. Forsooth is a pity. It was a fine historical monument. I'm glad to see you're so keen on our history. Certainly, sir. Especially the 300 years suppression. You certainly must be very proud of your 300 years suppression. It was a great time, sir. A tragic time? A period of suppression and grief. And did you groan? We did, suffering unbearably under the yoke of brutal oppressors. I am glad. In my booklet it is just like this. Of course, the question of education was only one side of the large newt problem. Soon the matter of how to treat them in, shall we say, social respects arose. With the developing culture of the newts, more and more embarrassment is felt in bringing them under veterinary regulations. It, it seemed, for some not very clear reasons, to be rather improper. That's it. Somehow not quite right. <laughs> in England, the Duchess of Huddersfield founded... The League for Protecting the Salamanders. Which counted... Over 200,000 members. And achieved for the newts a praiseworthy amount of good. And we have at last succeeded in ensuring the freedom of the newts from no less... Especially from the lower orders. By the erection. That's what it is! Around the newt working camps and localities of a high board fence, which will ensure that their world is kept utterly separate from ours. And so mankind shuts the newts away behind high fences. Out of sight, out of mind. But not forever, surely. These praiseworthy interventions of private individuals who try to regularise the relations between newt and human society along humane and respectable lines soon proved insufficient. It was comparatively easy to find a place for the newts, it was said, in the work of production, or even, indeed, in the armed forces. 
They wanted to arm the newts. Oh yes, my love. The newts were ideal soldiers, obedient and abundant, and uninclined to question orders. Besides which, what country would dare not to arm its own newts when its enemies might be arming theirs?、Oh, I've heard that argument so often, Carol. And surely will again. But there were altogether different calls as well—calls for social rights, for legal recognition. They came to no practical conclusion, chiefly because the newts never, at any time or place, asked for civil rights.、Oh. Judging by the weight of all these papers, <laughs> that doesn't seem to have worried the politicians. Oh, it seldom does. Soon the newts were being addressed by all. Political groups, from the communists, comrade newts, to the sea scouts, brothers newts, the pacifists, newts, throw away your arms, the Germans, newts, throw away your Jews. Newts had become woven into society's fabric, with the inevitable result that they finally began to be recognised in the field of cultural relations and to take a place on the stage of academic debate. When the paper, the geological composition of the sea bottom near the Bahama Islands by John Seaman, was published in the scientific press, nobody realised that John Seaman was, in fact. A learned newt, <laughs> but when at scientific congresses studies appeared as the work of newt investigations, there was embarrassment, resentment. In the words of the eminent Doctor Martel, so the vermin want to teach us something. Yet others were inspired by newtkind's quest for knowledge. The famous Madame Dimimo was so moved that she undertook to devote her untiring active life to the setting up of a special commission for the study of the newt problem by the League of Nations, whose influence was no doubt even greater than it is today. Now, now, my dear, I had always thought I was the one inclined to cynicism, but enough of that. For now, it is time to return to Prague once more. And to Bondi. And、uh, how do I look, Pavonra? I'm sure you'll look very fine on the newsreel. Thank you. It is an inconvenience, but nonetheless,、well, the occasion must be marked, sir. The end of an era. Not the end of an era. Just the passing of one man. One man among many. Twenty years. If Van Toc's Tapper Boys could survive his passing, Bondy's Newts can survive his retirement. The era continues,、oh, just as you said. And what marvels the Newts are! Oh yes, marvels. If I may make so bold, Mister Bondy, a friend of mine from De Vici had a most amusing encounter on his holidays. Oh yes, he'd gone out for a swim in the sea when the bathing attendant started insisting he come back. He even rowed out to stop him. Really? It mustn't swim here, sir. Newts here, sir. Got factories or something under there. Nobody swims here, sir. And when my friend said he wasn't afraid of the newts, all the attendant would say was, "It's not that, sir. It's that the newts don't like it." <laughs> Ah, the newsreel men.
Shall I let them in? Happy birthday, Carol Capic. Mid Valley. It's the war with the nudes. Mutations. A BBC radio production from 2005. And welcome to the back 40, as my grandmother used to say. It's Mid-Valley Mutations here on Sheena's Jungle Room, and uh, we are bringing you a very special presentation in honor of uh, Carol Chapek's birthday, which is today. And I was doing some research, and I managed to find uh, this wonderful presentation from 2005 of The War with the Newts uh, by uh, BBC Radio, uh, originally broadcast on BBC Three, actually. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it has a, a, a wonderful cast, great sound effects, uh, excellent music. On the whole, I, I, I was pretty pleased when I found it. And then, of course, I listened to it, and I was even more pleased, because it is actually very, very funny and uh, very uh, well done. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I, I, I was very excited about this. I mean, as I mentioned before, uh, uh, Carol Chapek's name is probably best known as the guy who coined the word robot in his uh, play R.U.R., which is a critique of modernization and factories and the the hellscape that we will create if we continue uh, to uh, look at capitalism uh, and then of course uh, this uh, story here uh, also seems to be a bit of a critique of capitalism as well so uh, it seems like it was on his mind uh, among many other things uh, and it looks like we've got Mr. Fab in the chat now hello hello uh, the, the late shift folks are, are, are popping in here we got uh, Heather and uh, uh, Mr. Fab and uh, Ramen City Kid and Mr. X hanging out. Uh, glad you are enjoying the War with the News. I, I was sitting there looking uh, at different things that I could do for uh, the show this week, and when I realized it was his birthday and found this uh, radio presentation, I felt like this was a very Sheena's kind of thing to do. Uh, and so um, here it is. Now, I had suggested in the chat earlier, <clears throat> because of the way that the story is pre- presented... Uh, hold on a second. So I, I had made this comment earlier in the chat, uh, because so much of the story in the radio presentation has Olga kind of furthering the next bit uh, and contributing to the narrative as much as uh, Carol. And and since the presentation of this is uh, them as a couple uh, be going over this story together, um, you know, uh, one could read quite a bit into using that as a device. Uh, and I think that uh, whether it was conscious or not, what, what they're getting at uh, I think the the the, the uh, footnote here that uh, is based on actual reality is that uh, Olga was a, a writer as well as an actor, and so uh, spent a lot of time 
writing uh, as well as uh, performing, uh, and uh, had a, a very long career, in fact. Uh, unfortunately, she uh, survived the war. Uh, Carol did not. Uh, and so uh, she went on to perform uh, plays that he wrote uh, and work that she wrote and uh, just other things throughout her, her life. And uh, she was even in film and, and uh, on the radio. Uh, she had a long career. Um, she actually died on stage while performing. And I want to see the movie about her where she is so dedicated to her craft that she is going on stage while dying to perform one last time. I want to see that movie. <laughs> uh, uh, but nonetheless, uh, um, very well known, of course, in uh, um, the Czech Republic. Um, unfortunately, um, she was interrogated by the Gestapo uh, during World War II uh, because uh, her husband, Carol, was uh, considered uh, public enemy number two, according to uh, the uh, German party that was in power. Um However, uh, they didn't manage to find him, and uh, he actually just got sick and died of a cold <laughs> at his family's home, uh, uh, outwitting the Nazis yet again through getting a cold. <laughs> uh, no, apparently, it's very tragic. Uh, Carol, um, uh, who had a lifelong illnesses uh, and was a heavy smoker, apparently, uh, died of uh, a pneumonia. Uh, um, uh, which I, I guess uh, it was a, it was, a, it was a cold that kind of evolved into something else, and so um, anyway, uh, all that stuff is fairly tragic. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, uh, she survived the war. Uh, 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 Carol's uh, brother, who also that wrote plays with uh, um, uh, uh, him, Joseph, uh, unfortunately uh, uh, was uh, interned in a concentration camp, uh, and so did not survive the war. Um, but uh, uh, fortunately, we have their plays and books and whatnot that live on into the modern age. Uh, and, and, and there's even kind of a little bit of a detective kind of vibe to some of uh, Chapek's work. So uh, I think uh, uh, if, if you're into the, to the, 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 the prehistory of uh, detective stories and, uh, and science fiction, he's a good author to check out. Oh man, the, the chat is going wild with Newt talk, which I love. I, I think uh, there should be all sorts of uh, Newt conversations and discussions happening in the chat. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, anyway, I just wanted to celebrate uh, uh, Carol's birthday, and I thought this would be the perfect way to do it. And guess what, friends? For the first time ever, ever I think I'm going to end a little bit early. Uh, because uh, the story is only 90 minutes, and I do have uh, some of this classical music here that I've been playing, but uh, otherwise, uh, uh, I don't have uh, 40 minutes more uh, worth of story. I, I only got about a half hour, so we might we might just clock in a little bit early, and uh, and and that'll make up for all of the many many times that I have run so very long. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, um, uh, we, we're looking for some a little bit of balance. How about that? <laughs> I, I do uh, certainly recommend this novel. If you if you if you've never uh, had a chance to read it or anything like that, it's it's a, it's a delightful um, uh, a book that is is very enjoyable. Um, I think it's available through uh, Project 
Gutenberg uh, for free uh, because... Uh, uh, or no, I'm sorry, it, it is not. I was just checking that it has some of his other work, but not uh, War with the Newts. Darn, I guess you'll have to get that one from uh, some other source. Uh, but uh, I mean, you should really ring it, read it. It's it's pretty fantastic. It's a, a very uh, quick read. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I actually ended up avoiding all of my homework, uh, the term that uh, I encountered this book. Uh, thank you to the Ramen City Kid who's in the chat. He uh, he uh, he uh, said, "Hey, you should read this book." And then uh, I started reading it, and I basically ignored all of my homework that term, and instead read War with the Newts. Loved it, and then uh, quickly wrote a whole bunch of papers in like the last two weeks of the term. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was one of one of those terms. Um, so. Yeah, uh, you know how it is. You're in college. You're uh, you're you're living the dream. You're having a good time. Well, why don't I play a little bit more of uh, this last uh, Czech composer here before we get into the final segment of the story? This is uh, Bohuslav. Uh, I am not familiar, unfortunately. Again, uh, this was a, a good opportunity for me to kind of dig into some of the Czech composers uh, and. Uh, what, what can I say? This is fantastic. I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. So uh, I'll have to uh, listen to more. And then, you know, I feel like the way that they end this uh, particular story uh, is a, a pretty fantastic dismount. And so I don't want to mess it up. So I think this is going to be my last voiceover for the show, too. I'm just going to let the story play out at the very end. Um, but uh, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, for tuning in and, and, and indulging my uh, curiosity here as uh, I, I wanted to uh, see what the BBC could offer. And uh, let me tell you, I was not disappointed. It's Warp with the Newts here on Sheena's Jungle Room, Mid-Valley Mutations, and WFMU, the best place to be on any given day of the week. Enjoy.
Happy birthday, Carol Capic. Mid Valley. It's the war with the nudes. Mutations. A BBC radio production from 2005. Oh, yes. There was a newsreel somewhere. It's here. All set up. <laughs> Prague, the home of the sage of the Salamander Syndicate himself, G.H. Bondi. Would you care to say a word, sir? I would. I wish to thank all those who have sent me their good wishes. In doing so, I feel I can look back on my time with some little pride. Newt kind is, even as we speak, reaching its highest development. But the human world, too, is enjoying unprecedented prosperity. The Newt age has been kind to us. Some seek to disparage. They have no music, no art, no literature. But they manage perfectly well without. And now we people are beginning to learn from them how marvelously modern that is. Yes, we people of the Newt Age march to a new drum. We no longer waste our time pondering the substance of things. We concern ourselves with quantity and mass production. Humanity works en masse, its capacity taxed to the maximum and with a record turnover. It is, in short, a glorious time. In London, the maritime states announce a new accord. No longer will it be necessary for man to fight against man for every inch of ground. The simple hoes and shovels of the newts will be sufficient for every state to construct as much territory as it desires. And so we must leave you. But who better to have the final word than the greatest man of the age, Mr. G. H. Bondi? Conflict is at an end. Now, and with justice, shall we be able to speak of the golden newt age. A golden newt age? No doubts? No concerns? Not many. The world is rich. The people prosper. Oh, there are teething problems here and there as time goes on. Tension between Japan and China. Tokyo objects to two million newts working on Yellow River. Everyone knows it is America that pays for them. Distrust of newts leaves Britain lagging. France enlarges her shores. Channel threatened. But for most... The problems are distant. Take the Pavondras, for instance. Mrs Pavondra is sitting knitting in her front room while her husband is going through the papers, searching for more stories of the newts for his collection. Where's that son of ours? Oh, you know, frantic, the usual. So he went after that girl. <laughs> you know, he's hardly 30 yet and doesn't spend a single evening at home. What a lot of socks he wears through. Oh, it says here, France is using her newts to make the shores bigger at Calais. If the English had newts, they could make their shores bigger too. Then they could shoot at France. Shoot? Will there be a war? Our frantic would have to go. War? Oh, no. Besides, we should be neutral. After all, somebody has to be to supply arms and such to the others. You women don't understand this sort of thing. No, no, we don't. 
You know, sometimes I wonder, would the world have come so far if I hadn't taken that captain to Mr Bondy? Another fellow would never have taken the risk, but I did. And if I hadn't, the whole world's history might have been different. So you see, Mr Pavondra feels he is quite safe. Whatever might be going on around him. We all deny our fears from time to time. Look about you. How else could we survive? Though I admit he might be a little more concerned if he knew how the newts had changed. Really? Oh, yes. The first recorded incident occurred on the Cocos Islands. A group of so-called pirates were captured while seeking to snatch some newts in the wild. Was that common? That they just seized them from the wild? Oh, yes. There was quite a regular, irregular trade. And usually ugly, too. What was less expected was that this particular set of wild newts should somehow have armed themselves. Go back, sir! What have you done with my men, damn you? They shouldn't have attacked us, sir! Go back to your boat! All right, Jenkins, fire! Aye, Captain! That'll sort those bears! behind you, sir! And no one was worried by this. Oh, some were worried by all means, more and more, in fact. Each little skirmish with the newts, be it an apple stolen here, a, a dead dog found near the water's edge there, added to the number willing to deny the truth of Bondy's golden newt age. Wait. Oh, I knew there'd be something. X's warning. Ah, yes. The most famous reactionary work of all. The newts are filled, filled with, with satisfaction, satisfaction. And have no gnawing doubt. The most dreadful thing is that they have multiplied that tractable, unthinking and self-sufficient type of civilised mediocrity wholesale in millions and billions of the same type. And this doleful caricature of human civilization makes colossal progress. Either mankind will come to close quarters with the newts in an historic conflict of life and death, or it will inevitably become salamanderized. For my part, I would rather see the first. This rather pathetic pamphlet led to a lively discussion among the general public, but still no businessman could afford to lose production, no farmer to give up growing fodder, no union man could afford to lose his job. Did they at least stop arming the newts? But how? <sighs> Which state will disarm its own newts while it fears that others are secretly arming theirs. No, the only effect of X's warning was to see the creation in nearly every country of a popular anti-newt movement. Some adopted X's slogans. Full stop feeding the newts! Stop working for the salamanders! That's right! Many newts were stoned to death. No newt dared put his head out of the water any longer. And what do the newts do? Nothing. They were simply invisible. And the people who peered over the newt fences only saw an infinite and indifferent rolling sea. And then, on the 11th of November, 
into the midst of this oppressive silence crashed the earthquake in Louisiana. The first rumblings were heard in New Orleans. Worst hit with the Negro quarters. Windows smashed, roofs swept away, scores left dead. And then the sea rolled in. And now, in the eerie silence following the earthquake's dreadful storm, one question and one alone lies on the lips of the survivors. What can have caused this? Well, Dr. Brownell, you're supposed to be an expert in these here earth tremors. You tell us what caused them. I should say, Governor, that these incidents are simply tectonic in origin, caused by the pressure of the mountain masses of the Rockies and the Sierra Madre. This Vermilion Bay fissure is only a new and relatively slight fracture. Relatively slight? Damn it, man. I've got hundreds injured. Sir, this is nothing but the release of subterranean gas pockets. Probably methane. In fact, I, I think we can be assured Governor, that... It... Governor! Lord's sake, man, can you not knock? Sorry, Governor, it's a telegram from Fort Jackson. Urgent. Uh, regret, regret loss of human loss life. Of human lives. Stop. <sighs> Tried to avoid towns, but did not expect backlash and resistance of seawater to explosion. <sighs> Stop. Accept condolences. Stop, Chief Salamander. Don't frown so, Olga. I'm as surprised as you are. So what did humanity do about this Chief Salamander? Do? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> All those in the Louisiana Governor's Mansion dismissed the Salamander's telegram as a hoax, nor did anyone act three days later when another geological tragedy struck. This time, in China. But the world is accustomed to catastrophes in China. It seems one or two million lives are of little consequence there. People's minds were soon put at rest. Truly? People like the Pavondras? I should like to know that their minds are at ease, Carol. What harm have they done to deserve such gloom? What harm have any of us done to deserve it? But you shall have your wish. I'm sure we shall find them quite happy in their cosily appointed front room below this very attic mrs pavondra is sitting knitting and there <laughs> listening to the wireless while her husband scours the papers for more tales of the newts for his collection you see mother there's a perfectly logical explanation for all these volcanoes and earthquakes it says so quite plainly here if you say so, dear. All I know is that I'll be in church again tomorrow morning, and so will a lot of people. It isn't right. But, my dear, look at this paragraph. Oh, no. What's wrong with the thing? I was enjoying that. Hello, hello, hello. Stop all broadcasting. What's going on? Shush. Hello, you men. Louisiana. China. We regret the loss of human lives. We don't want to cause unnecessary casualties. We only want you to evacuate the coast in places that we will warn you of in time. Warn us? Don't worry. We have no hostile intentions. We only need more water. 
more room, they've got the ocean. You will supply us with steel and explosives. You will work for us. We offer you collaboration. You will help us destroy your world. Destroy? We must break down your continents and use your land to fill up the deeps. You can withdraw to the mountains. But I don't like mountains. The mountains will be pulled down. Last. Why must you do this to them, Carol? Don't worry. Within moments, the governments of the globe were dismissing the radio message as a hoax. <laughs> Another hoax? While at the same time sending out cruisers and submarines to scour the oceans. And in the case of one nation... This is the BBC Home Service. The Prime Minister today announced a complete ban on the conveyance of feeding stuffs, chemical products, tools, arms and metals to all newts, whether they be from friendly power or foe. At last! Oh, sanity at last! <laughs> Within hours, however. Men, do you think that we will let ourselves be starved to death? In the name of all the newts of the world, I am speaking to Great Britain. From this hour, we are blockading the British Isles, with the exception of the Irish Free State. I am talking to Germany. I want ten times more explosives than I ordered. I am speaking to France. Hurry up the supply of torpedoes for our submarine forts. I warn you, for the last time, you people, we have had enough of your nonsense. Did the British succeed? Did they resist the newts? Ah, no. Oh. In the very first hours, the newts sank all the boats at anchor, and within six weeks, most of those at sea were hunted down by small newt submarines and sunk one after the other. But John Bull is obstinate. The enemy may attack our navy, but he will never defeat our hearts. Look at these young scamps. They don't mind rationing if it'll help the country. That's a tasty slice of bread, young master. And there'll be another one for tea if you're good. Yes, everyone is pitching in. It's out with the Whites and in with the King Edwards at Wimbledon, where the courts have become potato fields. Here at Ascot, they're growing wheat, and we are not alone in our task. For here, on the hallowed royal and ancient golf course, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales was the first to muck in, plowing the furrow that will soon be growing carrots for London orphanages. We shall do everything and make even the greatest sacrifices, but we will not betray British honour. The British nation bore its privations with exemplary courage. Even when it had sunk so low, it had to eat its racehorses. But the British still failed. Oh, yes. When they tried to build planes, they were admonished for breaching the air convention. When they bombed the seas, the newts destroyed the harbours. When they tried to poison the waters, the newts gassed the shores. A constant bombardment filled the air. And then, 
at last. Don't be stupid, England. Oh, we don't want anything but to be allowed to live. Oh, we offer peace to all men. We say supply us with products and sell us your continents. Oh, we are ready to pay well. Oh, to Great Britain we say, let us know your price for the south part of Lincolnshire. Oh, we give you three days. They gave in. Not the British. The government refused to negotiate. The inhabitants around the Wash and Deep Lynn were warned of the likely attack and told to move inland. Trains, cars and buses were provided to evacuate the women and children. But the men stayed. It simply did not enter their heads that an Englishman could lose his land. One minute after the three days truce, the first shot fell. It came from the English gun which the loyal North Lancashire Regiment fired while the band played the regimental march, The Rose. After this, a terrific explosion broke out. Carol, this is too cruel. You have responsibilities, you know. What about your characters? What about Van Tock? And Bondi. What about the Pavondras? Ah, yes, the Pavondras. Who would have said so much water had flown away and so many years? It's a long time now since Mr Pavondra was Bondi's doorman. Now he is a venerable patriarch who can enjoy in peace the fruits of his long and industrious labours in the form of a small pension. And what good will a couple of hundred do him when there's a war on? Well, then, isn't it lucky that he likes to fish? Each day he sits in his boat with a rod in his hand and gazes at the river. How much of that water had flown away in a day? And where did it all come from? Oh. Come here, little fellow. A dace. Excellent. Sometimes he caught a dace, sometimes a perch. All little bones are perch, but the flesh is a bit like almonds. And Mother knows how to cook them. That she most certainly does, though she never mentions that the papers she uses to light the fire are taken from her husband's own extensive store in the attic. You mean these papers we've been looking at? His precious collection? Oh, yes. Mr Pavondra's life as a collector is over now. What about Frantic? He must have grown up by now. Oh, he's more than grown up, no longer wearing out his socks. He is an official at the post office, a respectable figure, and happily married too. Does he have children? I'm sure he must. Oh, yes. Little Frantic, Pavondra's grandson. Fine little thing. Already weighs six pounds. <laughs> Darling Marenka. This is the year she begins school. She thinks she'll like it. And look, here's Frantic now, coming to join his father at fishing. Father, it's high time you'd come. Well, uh, hop in then. Uh, mind you don't fall in. Hold it still. Are the fish rising? Not well. We'd best go upstream, I think. Right. 
It's very quiet today. Very pleasant. Yes, a lovely day. Have you heard, though? They say the newts have worked their way through to Dresden. Bad news for the Germans. Strange nation. Educated, but strange. Now almost disappeared from the map. Even a German isn't sharp enough for the newts. Remember what a row there was when they first sank a country? China, was it? Mesopotamia, I think. Men could fight better with men. It didn't last so long, either. Twelve years it's been dragging on and still nothing but preparations for better positions. True, true. Now, when I was young, we had proper battles. Three million men on one side, three million on the other, and then, my gosh, they went for each other. But this isn't a decent fight. If only it doesn't get as far as here. You know, when a man's got children... Here? You mean Prague? How could they get here? Over those hills of ours? Well, perhaps the rivers. No, my lad, no. They won't get here. We're like the Swiss. It's a marvellous advantage not to have a sea coast. But when the sea comes as far as Dresden... No, you don't understand politics. The countries by the sea carry on a war with them, not us. We're neutral. They can't attack us. That's how it is. But... Shush, it... now. Or I won't catch anything. Daddy? What is it? Isn't it a catfish? Where? Is it a catfish? That? That? Daddy? That's it. We must go home. But it was... It was a newt. They've come here after all. That's the end. You're trembling. I'm cold, son. Suddenly very cold. Come along, Daddy. I'll get you home. Yes. Home. Yes. Oh, God, it is cold. Marenka and little Frantic will be there. Yes, yes, they will. You must let them know. Let them know that it was me. What? Someone must know it was me. Me who let that captain in. I should only like... I should only like those children to forgive me for it. You're going to leave it like that? What do you mean? You'll let Mr Bavondra go like that? Well, I'll send him a doctor. <laughs> it's probably just shock in any event, but he might get pneumonia, you know. A Carol! Very well. He'll recover. And there's little Marenka. He can rock her on his knees. She'll be the joy of his old age. Joy? He'll clasp her to himself with his old hands and be terrified, Carol. Be terrified that one day she'll be fleeing before the roaring waters. He'll knit his brows and whisper, I did that, Marenka. Do you really want to let the whole of mankind perish? Do you think I wanted this to happen? What am I to do? 
Men wanted it. We are all responsible for it. And so? And so I admit it. How can I not be sorry for mankind? But I was most sorry when I saw it rush towards its own ruin. I can't work miracles. There are too many newts to stop. And not just newts. Shall I tell you, even now, with a fifth of Europe underwater, who is supplying the newts with explosives, torpedoes and drills? Who is working day and night to build still more efficient machines to annihilate the world? Who is lending the money to finance this end of the world? I know, I know. All the factories, all the banks, all the states. You see? It's not just men against newts, but men against men. Wait. That's it. What if the newts were to fight the newts? What do you mean? Why should they fight? They're all the same. Why should they kill one another in the name of what will they fight among themselves? Well, why should men fight? But they do. For food, for shelter. Not just that. For pride, for influence, for glory. Why shouldn't newts do the same? Isn't that your logic of history? Just leave these newts of yours. Something will turn up. Oh, look. Some live here. In the west. Others in the east. Here are European newts. Here, African. That will be enough. Some will want to be better than the others. And they do have arms. Plenty of them. They're splendidly equipped for war. You see? Yes. Yes. Give me that map. Yes. Here we have the new Atlantean newts under the chief salamander. And over here, there's Tanamasa, the, the cradle of the newts. They call it Lemuria now. There the ruler is the king salamander. So Atlanteans here and Lemurians there. And the whole of Africa between them. And of course the Lemurians claim the whole continent. There. That should be enough to rile the Atlanteans. Oh, it is. War breaks out. <sighs> Newt fights Newt. The Lemurians, armed with yogi daggers, mercilessly slit the throats of Atlantean intruders. While the marvelously westernized Atlanteans drop poisons and bacteria into the Lemurian sea. Newts will die out, every last one. And the humans? They will slowly return from the mountains to the shores that are all that's left of the continents. For a long time, the oceans will stink with the newts' decomposition. But at last, the continents will increase again. The waters will recede. A new myth about a world flood which God sent for the sins of mankind will arise. There will be legends of submerged lands which were the cradle of human culture. Perhaps there will be a fable about a land called England or France or Germany. And then, Carol? Then, I don't know. What comes next?
In War with the Newts by Carol Chopek, Chopek was played by Dermot Crowley. Olga, Sally Hawkins, Van Toch, Henry Goodman, and Pavondra, Geoffrey Beavers. Mrs. Pavondra was Tina Gray, and Bondi, Adrian Scarborough. Other members of the ensemble were Ben Crow, Martin Hyder, and Geoffrey McGiven. Mid Valley. The composer was Howard Davidson. Mutations. War with the Newts was dramatized by George Poles, directed by Elizabeth Freestone, and is a Catherine Bailey production for BBC Radio 3.
échec et mat. <rire>